0: up saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup ye do show the lord's death till he come wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the lord Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Now then, I'd like to bring you a message on the observance of the Lord's Supper. First of all, I'd like to mention that in observing the Lord's Supper, that it's a divine command that is given us, in verse 24, he says, This do in remembrance of me. He's not only commanded us to observe it in his remembrance, but he's also invited us. It's a blessed privilege as well. It's an invitation to come and partake of the Lord's supper. And then we find again that it's a message of memorial. It's a necessary memorial for us to remember. It reminds, It serves to remind us of Christ's death. Because God's people are soon and easy to forget what we ought to be remembering. We ought to always be mindful of Christ's death and of his sacrifice. And in this, we do bring it to remembrance and we do show it until he comes again by taking the Lord's Supper. It reminds us, when we take the Lord's Supper, of the infinite cost of our salvation. It cost God the Father, His only begotten Son. And it cost Jesus His life and His sacrifice of His life. And He laid it down on the cross and He shed His blood. The price has been paid and paid in full. And it's also a willing testimony that we testify uh, of the Lord's death. You do show or proclaim the word really means the Lord's death till He comes. We're testifying that we have received the benefits of Christ's death. In other words, when we're taking the Lord's Supper, we as much as say by taking it that Jesus died for my sins on the cross, that he was buried, that he has risen, that he's ascended, that he is seated on the right hand of God, and that he's coming again. For you do show the Lord's death till he comes. And then I want to mention also the not only the observance of it in this way, but the nature of this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. It's not a sacrament, as some might believe, but it's a symbolical ordinance. It actually is taken, and the elements that are taken are symbolical. They're not the actual body and blood of the Lord. In fact, the taking these symbolical elements denies that the body of Christ and the blood of Christ are actually present in that bread, in, the, in that wine, or the fruit of the vine. It denies that. And it denies that the celebration of the supper constitutes a repetition of the sacrifice of Christ as as such as the mass professes to believe. In other words, it's a symbolical meaning. The bread represents the body of Christ, and the the fruit of the vine represents the blood of Christ. <coughs> and in that sense, it is only symbolical. We find that in this passage of Scripture that we've read, and a few verses before, beginning with verse 18, that it's a local church ordinance. It, let me read verses 18 through 22. when in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 through 22. It says, For first of all, when you come together in the church... I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So when you come together in the church, that shows us when ye, Paul says, you, you Corinthians, ye, come together. So it's there, it was in that sense, a local church ordinance. He says, for there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now then, what he's saying here, you cannot eat it under these circumstances with divisions and heresies among you. He's telling them that though they're a local church and assembled together in one place, if there were divisions or schisms, heresies among them, that they would not be in a condition to take the Lord's Supper. He says, For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. He's saying that that this time of assembling together to observe the Lord's supper is not a is not a banquet to be deserved uh, to be observed. And in verse twenty two, he says, "What have ye not houses to eat and drink in? or despise ye the the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will not praise you in this." Paul is saying, "I praise you not." He, he could not commend them for this. And then he goes on to say, I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. And we've read that passage of Scripture. But we wanted to show you in these verses previous to his command and understanding of what the Lord's Supper really is to us an exposition of it that he showed that it was for the local church to take and that there should be no disunity They should be united when they take the Lord's Supper. There should be absolute unity in the church. We should be gathered together according to the common faith. There should be no heresies and no false doctrine. And we've said before that it's not a banquet. And we see that this supper was instituted the very night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed. Let's look at it in this respect. The Lord's Supper, it was instituted, it was celebrated or observed, and it was We have its explanation. If you look back at the institution of it, in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 27, well, let's read verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood now, we know that even here, he was showing it was symbolical. Matthew 26, 26, He said in verse 27, he says, this is, in verse 28 rather, this is my blood. You can see that the, what they were drinking was symbolical. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine. That's what they were drinking. Until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So we see that that was the institution of the Lord's Supper. We could give you passages in Luke's Gospel and John, but not necessarily. And then we know that since Jesus did institute it, we find then that later on it must be observed by some. And it was observed, Acts chapter 2 you find, but let me give you one reference and say a little bit of time, in Acts 20, verse 7. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it says this, And upon the first day of the week, that's on the Lord's day, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. I want you to notice that. It says, Upon the first day of the week, it says the disciples had come together to break bread. And you know the word for disciples here, is very peculiar it means the saved one not just followers of christ but genuinely born again followers saved ones when the saved ones when the christians when the born again children of god disciples of christ were gathered together so we find there that it shows its observance by early christians and then we might give you something about the lord's supper as far as its explanation is concerned. If you turn, if you have 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Andy, turn right before that to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 16. And we taught this a week or so ago. It says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many members, and being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. On down to verse uh, 21, it says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. The last part of verse 20, I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. So that in taking the Lord's Supper, you have communion with the Lord. You have fellowship with the Lord. And we could not eat and drink at both tables. So there it shows us that The meaning of it is an expression of fellowship, and it's a feast that is to be a feast of remembrance. It is a declaration of Christ's death, and it's an anticipation of His coming. That's the explanation of the Lord's Supper. I'd like to give you quickly and briefly four things that I think we'll find when we study carefully concerning the Memorial Supper. First of all, and some of you have heard this time before, because we usually... Give you these four things when we preach and teach on the Lord's Supper and when we observe it. That it looks back. It looks back to Christ's birth, His life, and His death. Now then, how do we say that it looks back to His birth, and then His life, and then His death? If you would be careful to remember these verses, in Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible tells us that there was a body prepared when Jesus came into the world. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body, look at this, a body hast thou prepared me. We find a body prepared. Now, we know it was prepared so that eventually that body would be offered in sacrifice. So, keep this in mind. Here was Christ prepared for the purpose not only of living, but of dying especially. To be offered as a sacrifice. That's in the context. And then, if you will look in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, you'll find that this body was given. Luke 22, verse 19. And this is also in relation to the Lord's Supper. Look what it says. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given. See the word given? You had prepared in Hebrews 10. You have a body here given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in connection with that, look at John 6, verse 51. John 6, verse 51 says, I am the living bread. Before it was given, before he actually did give it, he spoke that it would be given. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give, is body that was given, the body that was prepared would finally be given. He says, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So he promised that he would give. So it's a body prepared, a body given. And then in First Corinthians 11, verse 24, what does he say of this body? He said, this is my body, which is broken, broken for you this do in remembrance of me. So here, it looks back to Christ even coming into the world and determined to give His his life, which He did give, and finally to the extent that He says He sacrificed it. This is my body which is broken for you. So the Lord's Supper looks back to Christ coming into the world, to His willingness to give Himself, His body, and the sacrifice that He anticipated until finally it was done. It was broken. And then secondly... Let me give you this quickly. It looks up to Christ's life. It looks up to Christ's life. Uh, If you read Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 through 26, you'll find that it says, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. In other words, we could not look up to Christ's life and look up to him as our great intercessor. If he had not risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, we could not show that this one was the, is the one that is coming back again. We could not proclaim the Lord's death till he come. He has to be living in order for him to come. So, it looks up to his life. It looks back to his birth and his life and death. It looks up to his present life in heaven. And then the Lord's Supper looks in, too. It has an inward look. If you keep your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I want you to notice verse 28. It says, But but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. It looks in. We look into ourselves when we observe the Lord's Supper. We look in there and see that our worthiness to take of it is by the grace of God. That we're sinners saved by grace. We look in and we say that by taking it we are we're going to observe the Lord's and discern the Lord's body. We recognize that in these elements that we take the bread and the fruit of the vine, that it is symbolical of the Lord's body. We look in in that we confess our sins. Look at verse thirty one. It says For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. How do we judge ourselves? We confess our sins in that particular way. Instead of God having to judge us for our sins, we confess our sins and thus we judge ourselves. And our sins are forgiven through the blood of Christ. We do uh, show the Lord thankfulness in verse 24. As often as you drink it, in remembrance of me, we show thanks and love to the Lord. We remember that He loved us and gave Himself for us. So it's an inward look. You know, there are at least three requirements that every one of us should meet if we're to take the Lord's Supper. First of all, a person must be saved. There's salvation. He must be saved by the grace of God. And then he must be baptized, baptized, having uh, observed that first ordinance of baptism. And then there must be individual self-examination. Even though we're Christians that are saved and baptized, We need to examine ourselves. We need to confess our sins. We need to be in a spiritual frame of mind and heart